All right, and uh, we start here. Two South African citizens working on a Japanese cruise ship have tested positive for the COVID-19 virus known as the coronavirus. Now, the health ministry says that government has been made aware by Japanese authorities through the South African embassy in Tokyo that there were 12 South African crew members working on board the Diamond Princess cruise ship when it was affected by the virus. So for more on this situation, we joined on the line uh, by Department of Health spokesperson, uh, Dr. Loazi Manzi. Dr. Manzi, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Welcome to Updated Noon. Thank you so much for having me, Fatima, and hello to your listeners. Dr. Manzi, uh, first and foremost, uh, can you just tell us where exactly the two South Africans who tested positive are at the moment? Sure. The two South Africans that tested positive were immediately removed from the Princess Diamond uh, cruise ship and have been placed in a facility in Tokyo. They are actually asymptomatic, these patients. So they're not even really in a treatment treatment facility, but more in an isolation facility within the treatment facility. Um, so they're in a very stable condition. They're fine. But of course, we're wanting to make sure that they are cleared of COVID-19 before they're allowed to move any further. Have you had any contact with their families, Dr. Banzi? No, we have not personally had contact with their families, although the embassies have uh, been in contact with the patients themselves. Dr. Manzi, also, um, these two South Africans being treated or like being in isolation at the moment, um, are they likely to be brought back into the country? And if so, at what stage? Um, so these uh, two uh, members, as well as the other 10, that we're working on this cruise ship represents a very different scenario to uh, maybe the other situations that we have seen. You know, on that cruise ship, there were 3,700 passengers, and 705 of them tested positive for COVID-19. That actually represents the highest rate of uh, spread in the world in that particular cruise ship. Therefore, the exposure is very significant. So the approach has to be extremely prudent. What's going to happen is that these members, none of them are going to be allowed to leave Japan until they've actually been 100% clear of the virus. When they are allowed to leave, they'll be allowed to leave of their own volition. They can travel wherever they would like to go. Now, the process is going to be slightly different for the two groups. The two that are COVID-19 are going to stay in that facility until they test negative. Then they will be allowed to leave. The others who are not COVID uh, positive, they're still on the cruise ship. They will remain on the cruise ship until they're allowed to disembark by their um, the, by the uh, cruise ship company. But they will still, because of the significant exposure, they will still undergo the 14-day quarantine in Japan, and you know whether it be home-based or in a facility. But it, it, it's probably going to be home-based. But that, that that particular detail, I wouldn't know. But it would certainly be a 14-day quarantine to ensure that from the time they disembark that particular ship where the exposure was to the time that they are allowed to travel freely, we are, they are actually cleared completely of COVID-19 and we have cleared the potential incubation period as well. So this particular case, as you say, uh, presents a very unique scenario because earlier in the week, I remember reading that um, one of the people who were at the forefront of actually uh, warning about uh, the, this outbreak of the coronavirus had actually um, also warned that even when people have been treated, um, once they are recovered, they still present a possible danger of still infecting others. So how are we going to deal with that? 
You know, the, 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 the interesting thing about dealing with a uh, novel virus, it just, as, as, just as a humanity, is that we can only go with the evidence that we're presented with, and then we just have to respond to purpose. At the end of the day, we have to balance our Do- Dr. Manzi, I'm just going to ask you to please just move around. Uh, the signal's just breaking there slightly, so if you could just slightly turn. I am sorry. Are you able to hear me now? I can hear you now. Yes, yes. So I'm sorry, just to, just to summarize what I was saying. You see, when we are dealing with something that's new and we're still trying to learn how this thing actually behaves, when we respond in public policy, we really do need to actually weigh up what our policy is and what we will implement against protecting uh, people's rights and dignity. So, you know, what we are seeing and the evidence that we are seeing is that asymptomatic individuals really are not the drivers of the spread of COVID-19. It's symptomatic individuals who are shedding uh, the, the, the virus in micro droplets through sneezing, coughing, or touching uh, um, uh, their faces and coming into contact with body fluid, and then they come to contact with the surface, and somebody else comes into contact with that surface and uh, with the surface in a very short space of time. Those, that's really what we're seeing to be the driver of COVID-19. And I really think that it's a very important message, and that's why we keep emphasizing the point of, you know, of, of good hygiene. You know, hand washing, covering your nose and mouth, not with your hand when you're coughing and sneezing staying away from people who are, uh, who are symptomatic, et cetera, because, it, because those messages are actually emanating from the evidence that we are seeing that the virus spread is driven by symptomatic people, symptomatic carriers who are actively shedding the virus in body secretion. I think that's the most important concept that we all need to grapple with. Of course, it's very important to consider what may happen with asymptomatic individuals, and that's why we do put in these quarantine measures, etc., to ensure that any sort of incubation period or post-infection period, you know, we try and 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 make sure that we provide for some time to lapse before those people come into contact with general society. But look, we really are continuing to learn more about this. The numbers are getting bigger, so the studies are going to start being a lot more robust. We're going to start seeing really, really good results from the studies now uh, with good supporting evidence. And we will continue to learn and, and, and move, uh, move along with the learnings. And of course, China is still going to be a very, very important center of learning um, as we learn how this virus evolves epidemiologically and its own natural history. So really, it's all about us just really just staying on top of it and continuing to be vigilant as individuals and, of course, as a larger group, societies, governments, and, of course, the entire world. Now, the World Health Organization is particularly concerned about uh, the African continent as a whole and our ability to actually combat the spread of this uh, virus should it reach our shores. And unfortunately, it has already uh, three confirmed cases on the continent, one in Nigeria, one in Algeria and one in Egypt. Uh, What is our own assessment as South Africa, Dr. Loisi? Assessment of South Africa or assessment of Africa? I'm saying um, the, the, the World Health Organization is concerned about Africa as a whole. But as South Africa, how, how ready are we? Oh. You know, South Africa, um, I think people must, must, must remember that South Africa is one of the leading territories of 
<clears throat> virus of, of pandemic outbreaks, tracking and tracing, looking at evidence and scientific research. You know, we have the top expertise, we have top laboratories, we also have quite a bit of capability. So as a country, we are a country that manages, tracks, traces, monitors, outbreaks all around the world, all the time, every single day. COVID-19 was no different. Uh, in fact, by the time COVID-19 became news, it wasn't news for us. The NICD had already alerted us. The multinational response outbreak team had already convinced twice before even the World Health Organization declared this a public health emergency of international concern. Now, emanating from that declaration, what it means for the WHO to say public health emergency of international concern, we are saying here that what needs to happen is all countries, multilaterals, private sector, anybody else who has an interest in protecting the health of society at large needs to come together and if we see that there are areas where there are deficiencies, we need to ensure that we all come together and upcapacitate that particular area to be able to deal with any eventuality of a particular spread actually being introduced into those territories. So, it's, you know, it's very important that people realize that when WHO picks up on an issue, it's not to criticize or to just say, oh, my goodness, we don't know what's going to happen. It's, to, it's precisely so that we identify any areas of deficiency and immediately zoom in onto those areas, immediately strengthen and, and, and ensure capacity of that particular territory before anything happens. So it, it actually should be encouraging for people to hear the World Organization picking up on any of those problems and beginning to make movements and mobilizing all the necessary resources to ensure that those areas are taken care of. Dr. Lwazi, I read something earlier as well today about, uh, I think it was in the Financial Times, where they were saying that uh, California, for example, is monitoring 8,400 people for COVID-19. Are we monitoring any number of people here in South Africa? Yes, we absolutely are. So as you know, we, we have got our systems in place to screen people who are coming in. Um, you know, as we screen those people or as we uh, uh, begin to uh, trace contact, those people are actively monitored and surveyed to ensure that they don't develop symptoms, even when we have screened them and even those that we have screened and tested and they've come out negative. Even those, I think, I think to date, to be honest, I actually can't remember what the latest number is, but the NICD has tested over um, 110, if I remember correctly, um, who've all come back negative. But even with those, we trace the contact, we trace their movements, we continue to trace them post-testing uh, negative, and we make sure that we continue that surveillance. And we don't just survey here, we are surveying all of the movements in the world, and we're surveying to see what kinds of patterns and trends we are looking at when we look at how this virus spreads. You see, for example, if you look at the Princess Diamond situation, that's a very important study on its own. You're looking at a situation where people were in a confined space. They had to stay in that confined space. It was a quarantine situation, but the virus is within that quarantine situation. It's very important lessons to be learned from that, you know. Um, and, and, and that is a, maybe a different situation to what's happening in Japan, maybe a different situation to what's happening in South Korea. In South Korea, for example... We've learned that the virus actually seems to have 
started and spread within a church community. So again, we're looking at a pattern where you're actually finding that this that the virus seems to spread where there's very large gatherings of people who are actively doing something together. You know, uh, increasing the capability of the virus to shed. So we look. So we look at all of those areas and we take lessons from from that. Very important lessons for us to be able to learn before even the virus comes into the country. And then uh, just as we start to wrap this, uh, Dr. Luazi, yesterday President Cyril Ramaphosa announced that uh, 132 South Africans living in um, Wuhan city in China, which is, of course, the epicenter of this outbreak, uh, will be repatriated uh, back to South Africa. So can you tell us about that particular process? How is this going to work? When is this likely to happen? Okay, so that particular process is, in fact, a military process. That's why the president or commander-in-chief actually made the announcement. So to that extent, I won't be able to give too much detail, although we will be holding a press briefing very soon with all of the departments that have been mandated to be involved in the process, and there will be a lot more details forthcoming from those ministers when that opportunity comes, which will be very soon. Safe to say that this military operation, the most important thing, is that we have responded to the call that South Africans have made in Mohan to come and fetch them. And they've asked for various reasons. Now, everybody has their own. Some just have finished their studies. They want to come back. Some have finished whatever work they were doing, whatever leisure uh, traveling they were doing. They want to come back, et cetera, et cetera. But the important thing is that we are taking healthy people who are not infected with coronavirus out of a high-risk area where they have uh, had potential exposure, although, of course, as we all know, the Chinese have put in very stringent measures to ensure that those who are not infected uh, stay uninfected. But these, these South Africans have actually been under lockdown, not just in the city, but in their own homes as well. They've actually been uh, essentially under quarantine, self-quarantine uh, in their homes. So we are taking healthy people out of the, the high-risk environment, we're bringing them home, and we're ensuring that we allow the incubation period to pass before they get reunited with society. And it's all going to be, uh, it's all going to be done uh, uh, very, very safely, securely, uh, under very, very strict quarantine protocols. Uh, and we will ensure that it is a humane process that protects the dignity of the repatriates and that allows for the successful reintegration of the repatriates into South African society safely without putting a public, a, a, a public health threat to the rest of South Africa.